Hello, welcome to the Recruiting is No Joke podcast. I'm your host, Joel Algy. Super excited to be here today. We have a great guest, a guest that's got, in my mind, just a very kind of unique perspective on the recruitment industry. Uh, been around the recruiting industry for a long time and uh, I'm super excited just to talk about the topics that we're going to talk about today. Uh, but as always, I am always curious of who's out there. So if you are out there in LinkedIn land, um, get into the chat, let us know who's out there, say hi, I'd love to know what company you're with, country, anything about yourself. And then as we're going through this conversation as well, if you got questions, this is definitely an episode where we're going to get to questions. Um, you know, the guest here today has a lot of experience as, as well, just in, in, in knowledge in the tech space, startup world, recruiting. Um, so definitely ask those questions. And then before we get started, I do want to give a big shout out to BrightHire, our sponsor. Um, if you guys haven't checked out BrightHire, they are an interview intelligence platform uh, that can really help reduce bias in the interview process. It helps with uh, being re really accountable with how you interview people, questions you're asking, feedback, all of that good stuff. So huge shout out to BrightHire. And if you haven't joined the Shine community, you can do so. Just go to my link tree on my LinkedIn profile. Um, so Todd, why don't you why don't you go ahead and, and give yourself um, you know introduction and just share with us who you are, what company you're with. And then I always like to just know, and as the guests do as well, sorry, as the uh, audience as well, like how you got into the recruitment industry and uh you know just a little bit about like what your role has been like in in the recruitment industry as well if you're open to sharing can't say i have a great story for that because i stumbled <laughs> this night is a great story because that's how everyone else it's pretty appropriate but um i was a graduate of college bunch of dc I mean, i'm making this pretty brief you don't need a, a life story but spent a few years in washington dc came out to california on a political campaign which is in a town in Northern California called Fairfield and um, left that. Um, I was like flying to work on a plane from Southern California, Northern California, sleeping in the office and then on the campaign. So I was like, after that was over, I was like, can't wait for that to be over. That, <laughs> I quit and uh, we won. And so anyhow, I um, got a job that I stumbled upon essentially. So I'd written some op-eds for the LA times and so on. Uh, a job at a publication called Workforce, which was like a generalist HR publication and was there um, for seven or eight years. We sold the company midway through my tenure there to a larger company called Crane. Yeah. Was, um, like 14 years at another company called e ERE, which is a media publishing conference company in the talent world. Uh, and then um, three years uh, grow at a company called Eightfold, growing the content there and kind of trying to put that company on the map. And I work for currently work for a company called Sky High, which is uh, an AI company, which acts as almost like an operating system, if you will, uh, for companies based on their skills. So it helps you learn about the skills that you have in your workforce and how to uh, handle your learning and your hiring and your training and your gigs and your labor market intelligence, all based on this kind of DNA of your skills. Hey guys, thanks so much for tuning in to this week's episode of Recruiting is No Joke. I wanted to give a quick shout out to my sponsor, Bright Hire. The old way of hiring just doesn't cut it anymore, and my friends at Bright Hire are here to help. Bright Hire is a leading interview intelligence platform for improving quality of hire at talent-first companies. 
That technology records and transcribes interviews and creates a set of highlights you can revisit and share to streamline the process, improve the candidate experience, and give teams better information to make the best possible hiring decisions. If you're looking to improve your quality of hire and reduce bias in your hiring process, visit brighthire.com today and let them know Joel sent you. Now back to the episode. Thanks again. I love that. Yeah, and we were, I mean, we were just talking before, uh, you know, we went live as well, just kind of how, how you guys are essentially looking at like job skills versus experience and how you can use that data to, to make better hiring decisions. And almost like as we have the shift in the workforce where we've obviously got a huge labor shortage, like how can we start to, to look at talent in a different way and not just purely based on what experience people have, but what skills they have, which when I think of things like, I don't know, like chat GPT, which is all over the news and AI. It's like, obviously at some point you're gonna need people with experience, but like, you're not gonna have people with experience because technology is moving so fast. So we've got to look at like, what are the skills, uh, which I think is a hugely relevant in, in so many ways. Uh, so super fascinating what you guys are doing. And then obviously with your time at ERE as well, I mean, obviously you just got to to probably go to so many events around the TA, TA community. So you know yeah. a lot of people in the community, which is which is awesome. Um, well, I th and thanks to everybody who is chiming in here as well. And guys, as, as we go through, if you've got questions, let us know. Uh, but I think what, you know, what we had, we kind of discussed was, um, you know, talking about diversity really. And I think, um, you know, as, as we were kind of chatting through how companies have really viewed uh, diversity and DE and I, obviously like in 2020, it was, it just seemed to be like that was even on LinkedIn. That's all you were reading about right. like every company had such a huge focus. And over the last, how many, I want to say even like the last 12 months to 18 months, it just seems to have kind of like faded into the background. It seems to yep. be making a little bit more of a resurgence right now, but I think that's just, a, there's so many issues here in terms of like how does remote work and, and how workers are dispersed, how is that impacting things? We're obviously seeing a lot more companies bringing people back to the office now, a lot more hybrid, um, you know, a lot more of these hybrid work schedules. And I'm seeing now more more people just speaking up and saying like, hey, look, this isn't, this isn't really going to help with uh, creating diverse, um, you know, work workplaces and it doesn't really help with inclusion either and like just helping everybody feel included um so yeah i'm i'm, I'm curious but like from your perspective and in, in even like with what you're seeing and with with the company you're at i mean what I get, yeah go ahead well you said it seems like diversity has kind of waned in importance in people's eyes i mean i don't think it only seems like it has i think it has i think that um i think it was today it's coming mclean found that it's gone down in importance in HR departments. I think it was Monster, believe it or not, Monster's still around. Did a study a few days ago saying the diversity is not a top three priority of 90-something, I think about 5% of recruiters. I saw that one, yeah. Yeah, so um, clearly it's, it is, it's happening. And why is this happening? I think there's, I think one thing is diversity, a couple years ago, it was like, let's go say something about it. Let's go do something and issue statements. Let's go make a, a graphic for LinkedIn and tweet about diversity and talk about it. And it was like, it was never quite, unfortunately, sadly, it was never quite, I don't think seen by employees and job seekers who care about it as something that really was genuine in many cases, 
Um, I sound so cynical, but it was, it was <laughs> it, uh, okay. Sometimes it was genuine, but in many cases it was like seen as lip service or window dressing or whatever the word is. So, you know, employees would see these, um, you know, social media graphics, but their real life was like, Hey, you know, my company just, you know, scheduled, uh, you know, their big annual brunch on Ramadan. And then they called for some reason, they got rid of like Christmas and they called it like merry winter or holiday season when it's not even my holiday season, like Ramadan's in a different part of the year, except in 2030 when I think it's in December 5th or something. But why are you, why did you get rid of Christmas and call that my holiday season and then schedule your, your brunch on Ramadan. And then like you did that and then you scheduled meetings for Yom Kippur and Rosh Hashanah, which is the holiday season for Jewish people. And then Passover, like, why? Like, obviously you're not caring about diversity. You're just, did this thing that you thought was the statement that people wanted. Like diversity is not issuing a statement or this lip service is not, that's people see, see right through it. Um, you know, what are the, what is diversity? And I think we could probably list a hundred things, but they are things like that are different than making a graphic, you know, things like, you know, how do you structure the healthcare plan? Does it, does the healthcare plan enormously favor, uh, young people with the high deductibles or something might not, doesn't mean you're a terrible person, terrible company, but it can be something that does, you know, weed people out of a certain age or travel requirements. Um, does it say 30% travel? You tend to weed yourself out. Hey, I got a, I've got a sickness or my parents do, or my kids do. I can't travel 30% of the time. If that's for business reasons, no problem. That's fair. But if it's because the job was done that way by someone else, so you assume that's how the job can only be done. It can't be done a different way. That maybe isn't fair if you just assume it's 30% travel or 40% travel. You mentioned remote work. That could be a biggie. That could make you more heterogeneous if you recruit higher from areas where you don't typically hire from if, you, if you're in a more homogeneous headquarters. Um, job interviews, you know, do you ask about your, uh, your favorite book, your favorite movie of the year, your pop culture stuff that no one who has young kids has any time to think about, you know, who's reading a book. Uh, they can barely get through the day and you're asking them their favorite book. Um, or how do you um, communicate? Like, do you hold meetings on, uh, you have to be at a video sitting there at a laptop on your Zoom. You can't be the way that many people I know who have kids or elders or sick themselves. They're in the car, they're in the doctor's office parking lot, the school parking lot. They're on the run, they do their meeting, they walk the dog with a phone. They're not always wanting to be on a video sitting there at a desk trying to find a Starbucks with the Wi-Fi. It's not how anyone I know who has responsibility. So all of these things are not terrible things in and of themselves. Asking someone their favorite book doesn't mean you're a horrible person. But these little things are examples of actual diversity. We could go on and on. Why, why, do, why do you think we saw, I guess, why do you think we've seen the shift away from even companies being vocal about it and and like why why does this shift happen like where i mean now it just seems like it's not even a, a topic in conversation like it's almost like okay we've done our we've done our due diligence with social we made our posts you know maybe we changed the career page up and now we're we're, we're kind of moving on like why why do you think that's happened um in such a short amount of time perhaps one reason i guess i sound really cynical again but perhaps one reason is that uh, the economy was in, in, in a, a way that you needed to keep people, you needed to find people, you needed to attract people, and you're more willing to say, all right, like, this is a great idea to finding people who have been an ex-convict 
and who are having a hard time getting back in the workforce or the disability unemployment rates are are ridiculous. Like there's no reason that this many people who have disabilities need to be unemployed, especially in a remote, not every job is remote, but especially in a job, in a, a job world where many jobs can be remote. There's no, no reason all these people should be unemployed. We need to be more open to people. We need to see what we can do with our, our making sure that we're open to people who can't see or can't hear or can't travel or whatever. Like you could go on and on about all of the different ways you can kind of open yourself up to people you haven't opened yourself up to. Um, and that may have been more desirable or an easier or more cost-effective uh, perceived that way when the economy was different. Um, that's like a really cynical answer, but that's one answer is that um, companies may have been forced to by market, labor market conditions. So I, I guess, you know, when, when I look at things, you know, is this something you think that, because I, I, I kind of had the opposite experience, I guess, in terms of candidates. Like, I feel like candidates... Uh, do you know have been asking more like you know for example in your leadership team you know if diversity is something you care about then why you know how is your leadership team built or like who's in your leadership team and like what are you doing uh, to 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 change that and it just seemed like that is still a focus for candidates but do you think with just I guess just the overall shift in the economy now that companies are just kind of going back to the old ways of going you know again with remote work's a great example of this. Um, my observation, just from talking to people and I've talked to a, a lot, and just friends, families, I always ask these questions because I'm interested in hearing. My observation is even in the tighter, tougher economy right now for job seekers, you keep hearing the sentence, but I'm not willing to. Mm. It's like, yeah, but I'm not willing to drive it out. I'm not, but I'm not willing to give up my 12 o'clock visit to mom, but I'm not willing to give up my four o'clock swim. Yeah, I mean, I'll do anything but I'm not willing to not pick up my kids and go to their football game between three and five. Like you hear that from the most smart, most motivated, most driven, most interesting people, but I'm not willing to, they're willing to work at midnight. They're willing to work at 2 AM or maybe not, but whatever it is, they're not willing to, you know, whatever it is, they're not going to give up. It varies per person. My point is they're not willing. It's not like they're not going to work hard. They're not willing to give up their life, their friends, their family and their health. And I think, even in this economy, you're hearing that more and more. So I guess if you're saying the job seekers behavior has changed a little bit, I think that's right. Do you think that this, um, this whole idea, because again, I've seen a lot more content around now, um, you know, the shift of it being primarily now like, a, you know, an employer market, which like, I hate the way that that's branded anyway, because it kind of makes it seem like interviews are a battle or like the whole there's like this this even like the talent war i mean like why do we have to use like war and battle and like you know it's a it's a it's an employer market now so now they've got the power shift and now we're going to yeah. start seeing all this change but is that even is that just like a, a perception that's just created by like all these layoffs that we're hearing in the news because when i look at the data it looks like you know when it actually comes to like open jobs and jobs being filled and uh, unemployment Thing, things are still relatively like the same. The, it's still obviously like a shortage of, of talent on the market. So is that really an employer shift or is this something which like smart employers are going to recognize, okay, we still, you know, we still need to be thinking about how do we attract diverse talent and how do we keep, you know, how do, how do we, how do we kind of think about each employee in a way where we care about their lives and we care about what's going on. And, you know, is it just dumb employers right now that are saying, Hey, we're just going to, 
we're going to kind of like cut things back and go back to where we were five years ago and just do things the way that we want to do it, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, it's a little painful to see all these layoffs every day on LinkedIn because then you go look at the employer's career site and they're hiring thousands of people at the same time. And you wonder whether some of these people who are being let go by the thousands and sometimes by like in a group, oh, we'll get rid of this department, we'll get rid of this location, or we'll just get rid of all these people. It's like, do you know this person? Do you know anything about their skills or their potential or their ability to like take one of these open jobs? Or, you know, does even the manager know anything about this person? Because sometimes people are caught in it's like, I'm pretty sure they could take one of these open jobs, but the employer may not know anything about this person basically, but it's just a way to kind of cut people in one fell swoop. Let's save some money, let's save some expenses. So yeah, I mean, not only are companies, not only is hiring gonna turn around before you know it, but some of these same companies are laying people off and hiring at the same time. And some of these people could fit in those open jobs. Well, my, I mean, Microsoft, obviously today, they had a, that huge announcement and which, I mean, someone just in the comments just said, uh, here in Seattle and seeing the news of 900 folks laid off from, from Microsoft in, in the area. And I've, I've seen a lot of content around that too, where people are like, hey, you know, you've got these companies, they're laying off a lot of people. But then on the flip side, you're seeing that they're recruiting people uh, in different areas. Um, and you start to think, you do start to think like, is there no way that, you know, these people that you're laying off can fit into some of these jobs? And is this just really like a sign of, you know, maybe we need, maybe we need to look at workforce in terms of like, well, what are the skills, like, Recruiting is a great example because I know recruiting, right? It's like there's a lot of things that recruiters can do outside of just filling positions. Right. And, you know, may, you know, maybe you speak to a recruiter and say, hey, would you want to go into a customer service role or, you know, some sort of like marketing position or something that uses the skills that you have as a recruiter? And the recruiter says, no, you know what? I, I'll take the severance package. I want to be in recruiting. Fair enough. But it does seem like, you know, I, I don't like this. I don't like this. Hey, we're going to cut 10,000 people. And then this thought of like, well, you have, you know, 2,000, 3,000 open roles. Like surely right. I, I don't buy that. Like there's no way to, to, uh, right. to, to kind of shift people's mentality. But then is that just, is that just kind of like a sign of like with what your company's doing, like looking at like, what are the skills that people have as opposed to the experience? And like, how do we start to hire according to skills for these roles? But like, how do we, how do we look to take our internal teams and look at the skills that they have and move them around different areas as the as the business has needs? Because obviously the cycle just seems to happen over and over and over. So surely at some point someone's going to go, well, yeah, we over, we did overhire these people. Yeah, we don't have the, we, all of these needs, but we have these other needs. These people get our culture. They want to work with us. Like, why aren't we making these shifts? Doesn't doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, in an ideal world, you're not really just like, find yourself like years later behind you're not like um oh you were an energy company and we wanted to be more um of an energy efficient solar alternative energy company but we've got all the wrong people what do we do we got to go lay them off and find some new people like ideally you're doing more of a real time you're like always hiring people who have like each person you hire has the skills that you they don't have to have the skills right now where they have the potential similar skills transferable skills adjacent skills each person you hire is going to have the skills you need going forward. And each day, the people who are on your staff are kind of learning or kind of shifting slowly to the skills that they need to have to be this other kind of company. So, you know, ideally, you're kind of working in real time to kind of shift your skills to whatever is most relevant. You don't get in a situation where it's like, 
oh my God, we're, you know, Kodak or whatever. And, you know, everyone's doing this or uh, we're in the legacy TV business and everyone's streaming. It's like you, you're, you're not that far behind because you're like slowly, you know, uh, picking up your streaming business as you wait, as the legacy TV business wanes and so on. Yeah, it's, um, I, I'm actually talking to, I've got, I've got another live show coming up in, in about three weeks and it's, a, it's with a, a team, a talent team at a startup company. And, and that's what, one of the things that they had talked about was like, they always looked as as to like, I think they, they call it like one step ahead. Like what's like if we've got to if we've got to make changes or if we've got you know layoffs coming, like how can we how can we just start to like move people in into these positions? And it, it really did get me thinking about this whole thing because again, I think you know from a talent and recruiting perspective, when I see all these recruiters laid laid off. And someone someone else has mentioned it here like it's not a good look for these companies laying off people and hiring at the same time but the reality is it's like i feel like it's it's you know it's kind of happening COVID like just two years ago and we all like accept this so like at some point though there has to be a tipping point where like these companies things start to bounce back and it does make it hard to hire people does make it hard to bring on people but then as part of us where like we all kind of accept that this is happening so but then I then again I look at it where like over the last couple of years we've seen so many people move away from big cities. We've seen right. a lot of you know people taking jobs in in areas that are have a cheaper cost of living, so they're earning more and they're they're in a place where they they're not spending as much as expenses. But now that those people are dispersed, if companies are saying, well, we want people on site, like how how does that how does that kind of balance out? If that makes sense, like how how does this end up balancing out? Like is there going to just be a point where people go? Yeah, you know what? I remember what Microsoft did, you know, on on the 18th of January 2023, and I'm I'm not going to go work there. Or do we just kind of keep on accepting, like what you know what these companies do because we we just need the jobs if if that makes sense? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, it probably depends how it was done. I mean, I think now I forgot what company it was. I think it was Microsoft. Um, it seemed like I forgot. I think they were giving. Um, a large amount of uh, health insurance coverage, severance, and and um, stock. Uh, but anyhow, you know, probably depends how it's done, how it's communicated, how necessary it was. Did you really know their skills? Did they, did you not? I mean, there's probably a lot of factors, so I it's hard to you know just condemn every company in one fell swoop. But but um, well, I mean, I, I in in some ways, like I I, I agree, but I just can't. I think the thing which is shocking to me, and I know a couple of people have like come to defense and been like, "Well, you can't, you can't just have like eighteen thousand people on a payroll." But then it's it's kind of like I don't understand like how everybody was thinking like, literally a year and a half ago, a year ago, you're talking to companies and everybody is anticipating this crazy growth, particularly in the tech market. Everybody's in, anticipating this, mm-hmm. and. It's almost like, well, where's the accountability then for people who thought that this growth was going to occur? Like, where's the accountability for that at the end of the day? I, I think is 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 what I I think about. Where it's like, yeah, I don't think I don't think like I think everybody can ha- has the excuses, but at some point it's like, why is it why is it then the whole recruitment team gets slashed? You know, or like these huge departments it doesn't make any sense to me. Or like, just. It's, to- yeah, maybe there's a way to be honest, to be transparent and talk about your plans instead of saying, you are our family. We are family. <laughs> and then a month later, you're letting go. I mean, I'd, maybe maybe if you, maybe families should be treated differently. I don't know. But 
Um, I think maybe again, kind of transparency, honesty. You know, we see this as a uh, we'd like to sign a contract with you to stay this amount of time or something like that. Um, we'd like to have you for at least four or five years. Um, we see this as a job that's probably not four or five years. Uh, but if you're really, really family, I don't know. I think that's probably taken it to a level where you are probably a little surprised to be hired and fired. Well, and, and I, I think, you know, when it comes to that, I was talking with someone else too earlier on the day with like employer branding. I think it's a, you know, when I think of employer branding in the past or how it's been, at least since I've been in, in, in the workforce and we're starting to see this change, but it's always been like these perfectly polished career videos or these like career sites, which are painting it's like this picture where everyone's really, really happy and everybody loves one another. And it is, you know, that is basically what people are saying. Like, hey, we're a big, happy family. We treat we treat people in this way. And then on the flip side, it's like, yeah, that's what we do when things are going good. But as soon as things are going bad, we're going to bail on you. But do you think that, you know, in terms of like companies being able to reach, you know, younger talent, let's say, that, uh, that, are, are, that I don't think buy in as much as, as this, like, is this where we start to see like more of a change in more like transparency when it comes to things like employer branding and the messages that companies are putting out? Is 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 it through these types of times? Is it is it when when you start seeing you know people on TikTok, for example, which I'm active on that platform? It seems like a lot of these. I think of like quiet quitting as an example. It, like it started as a thing on on TikTok, and then suddenly it's every HR person is talking about this. Um, like what, what does that mean for companies in terms of how they how they communicate, you know, when it Most comes to recruiting, people, branding and all that? Like if you're a recruiter right now, like how would you be communicating anything to, uh, to to candidates that you're trying to bring on board? Most people leave jobs pretty quickly, right? Like most people, like a lot of the quitting goes on within a, a few weeks or a few months. Like that's a huge amount of turnover. And um, I don't think we've talked enough. I don't think there's been enough talk about why. And I think. I mean, there's been talk about why, but I think one of the reasons has not been talked about enough. And that's because when you start a job, you really don't have any idea what it's like to work there. You've been talked about, you, you learn about the company a little bit, you're interviewed and all that, but you don't know what it's like to work there. Like you don't know the norms. When you get there and like the norms maybe don't fit or the norms are not gonna, like you wanna improve the norms and, and you can't, or you're frustrated. Like you come in all passionate and then you get the passion sucked out of you because of the lack of the misunderstanding about the expectations of the norms of the expectations. So I think communicating correctly, transparently, what it will be like to work there is important. And I don't mean buzzwords on a website like balance and flexibility and um, collaboration. And that doesn't tell anyone any specifics at all. It yeah. doesn't tell you much about anything. Um, you know, tell me what it's like to work there. There might be some ways to do that. Maybe some conversations with employees, some um, anonymous Q&As or something. I mean, obviously there's some of that out there on Glassdoor and Fishbowl and maybe Yelp and, and, and Facebook and Twitter and LinkedIn and stuff. But maybe there is some things you can do to tell people about transparently what it's actually like to work there instead of being surprised on day one, which I think is the case for many people, and they end up quitting. Well, I think I think too. Like, I mean, I feel like with the corporate culture, how how a lot of times it, it's set up is like you from day one, you're expected, you're expected to like kind of like be be a hundred percent down with with the company, which 
it's you know it's like it's like that classic question in an interview where it's like well, why do you want to work for this company and it's like well i don't know like i'm sort of interested in the industry but like at the end of the day like i'm i don't have a job and you know i want to i want to i want to pr progress in my career or i care you know i want to make money you know it's like but we're kind of like you're trained from that day one in the interview to almost like like oh well you know i look went on your career site and it looked like you guys have a great you know community and, and a great culture and it looks like everybody's happy it's like you're trained and talk like that and then like you said like you get in there on day one and there's almost that expectation that you need to act like somebody who's been at the company for 10 years who yeah. is actually somebody who is more than likely you know like not a lifer but they're probably like pretty invested in the company but it's like those are two different people and it's like you almost got to give that room for people That's because right. another issue that people have is like people do turn over every two years and it's like you have those three categories of people to give the people who are you know the long-term lifers at the company then you seem to have these like rotating doors of kind of like people who don't necessarily make it to management or they're there for a little bit of time but somehow in corporate culture we've just been we kind of lump everybody together and everybody's expected to act the same way about the culture and instead of just looking and going hey you know this person actually is probably somebody this is a stepping stone and we're okay with that we're, we want to equip them we want to train them up you know we, they're going to work hard for us while we have them because that's important but like we're actually okay with that and we're not going to like make them i don't know you're not going to make them blindly just be a part of the culture for no reason yeah um there's this professor uh orly lobel from san diego she says that you know when you ask no one asks this stupid question anymore but when you ask the question where are you going to be in you know two years or whatever um, yeah, where are you going to be in six months? It's a, stupid, it's a stupid question. But she says that when you when you ask that question, if they say, I'd like to quit and start my own business, instead of saying, oh, we were not interested in you, you should think of like, your company should go, oh, we might want to invest in that business. Like, you should, like, exactly what you just said, you should think of people's own personal interests. Maybe someone does want to stay for 10 years, and that's great. Maybe they don't, maybe they want to like kind of rise as an individual recruiter, contributor, not a manager. Maybe they want to rise up the ladder, like everyone has like a different thing. And I think that you articulated it really well, like you should cater to each person. I think of it like, like with college, like I went, um, I'm involved, I'm not really that involved, but I, I, when I'm, I've been out of college for decades, but when I still do some stuff, like if a high school kid gets accepted to the college, I send a postcard and I say, hey, I, my name's Todd, I live here. Give me a call if you're interested in any advice. Congratulations or something like that. So they, and they school sends me the postcard. So I do that kind of stuff, but it took me a long time. I didn't like get to college and then start being like, rah, 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 let me give some tours of the college. Like it, it really is, as you said very well, like it's a process. And so it does take some time to decide if you're gonna be a cheerleader for that institution or not, whether it's a so, college or company. I guess from, from your perspective too, and like, obviously I know like Sky High, like you guys are working, you know, do a lot of work with like governments and, yeah. and kind of like bigger, bigger scale stuff. But do you, do you think that we're going to see kind of coming even out of this time period, a lot more um, kind of like contract workers and like less of a focus on just bringing people on full time? Because again, like layoffs to me are like, this could be, that's a, you know, mass layoffs can be avoided if, you know, maybe people who are only going to be at your company for a year and a half to two years are, you know, we just get better at handling like contract workers and, you know, maybe obviously like a lot of people are worried about doing contract work because you don't get benefits, but like right. adopting ideas where you're like, Hey, you're a contract worker, but you still have the same 
you almost have like the flexibility that comes with contract work, but you have some of these other benefits. Like, are we going to start to see more of that? Do you, do you think, or I guess. I always, I always felt like you'd hear this line about like, but employees want to be contractors too. It's not just companies forcing them. And I always thought that was kind of wrong. Like most people I knew kind of did not want to be a contractor. They wanted to be a full-time employee and they had to be a contractor. But it, I feel like going back to our conversation about 15 minutes ago with, but I'm not willing to blank, but I'm not willing to blank. I think more and more people you talk to are like, yeah, I mean, I'll work as a contractor if I, if it means giving up blank, I'll work mm. as a contractor if it means I've given my mom her medicine twice a day, or my kid his medicine twice a day, or my dog the medicine twice a day, or being able to take my swim at 12 or four or whatever they want to do. I will work as a contractor. So I do think you hear more and more people wanting to work as a contractor. There's got to be some way to solve. There's got to be some way to get people into a group healthcare plan so that they're not like dealing with that. There's got to be some better group healthcare plan than maybe we have now to, to handle that. Um, as I, as you implied, you know, with benefits. Um, but it seems like it's becoming a little bit more desirable among employees as well. Yeah. And I, and I guess like even just kind of going back to like the, the, the culture piece, I mean, it seems like, I mean, every time I hear the word, the word culture, at least every time I've heard it in like in recruiting, like it's always, it almost seems to like it, it obviously people talk about like the the vision and the mission and these like deeper things the but the way that i've seen it play out time and time again is it's almost like can i have a drink with this person or do i like to hang out with them like i usually that's what it means like it, it just seems like it boils down to that but like are we get kind of starting to get past that where where even employees are realizing like hey you know if we're going to have a truly inclusive environment like we got to it can't be surrounded like just the bar scene or it can't just be about going out to drink or, it, you know, maybe we need to do something that's, you know, from three to five because there's people, uh, you know, have young kids or there's people who need to take care of relatives. Like, are we getting past that point? Like, or do you, do you kind of see like, okay, you know what, maybe we're going backwards here and like companies are just going, reverting back to this, but surely well, that's gotta be, that's gotta be like the future of, kind of how employees see it. And then also on that, like being okay with people who are just like, yeah, I like where I work, but like, I'm not, you know, again, I'm not like part of like the cult of like, right. I need to be obsessed with, with this company, if that makes sense. I mean, I would take that, I would take that even a step further and say like, sometimes the people who seem like they're obsessed with the company or seem like they're the best performers are the ones who are articulating what are, who are able to articulate why they're so great. Who are to make a who are to give presentations about themselves and who are to really kind of um, it being or being able to to talk about your um, your love for the company doesn't always equal a uh, high performer basically so um, I think you you know you nailed it again which is to say that uh, you should be able to be a wildly good performer and not you know join in top golf if you don't want or you know you know, the 5k race, the trivia night, the karaoke, uh, without your coworker going, come on, Susie, don't, why can't you sing? You know, Susie, I know no one cares how you sing. You can do the karaoke. I know you want to sing and you're not that bad at it. And we're all bad at it. Come on, you can do it. Like not everyone wants to do the karaoke. And so, you know, if that gets kind of swept up into somehow you're more outgoing and that equals, you know, you care more about the company. That's a sad thing. 
I love that you use karaoke as the example, but uh, no, yeah, I think I think like I, I remember telling you a couple of days ago, like one of my first experiences in corporate America. That's that's what it was like. I remember they were just like through the interview process. We have a great culture. We have a great culture. We have a great culture. And then it was like once I got working in the company, it was like all culture was was just doing stuff outside of work with work people. And I'm like, I don't want to do <laughs> like. It's not I don't like you guys. Like I do like you. Like I genuinely do. But like I'm not trying to spend, you know, every single Tuesday night or Wednesday night with the people I'm working with because they're just, you know, they're my colleagues that I'm working with. Yeah. And um, but it, it seemed it seemed like that's what they meant when they were talking about culture. And it was like I kind of was like, well, I'm not. You know, I was like, oh yeah, I'm down with this good culture. But then I, I started to realize like the more I wasn't involved in things, then it was like I had a target on my back, and it was like well, he's kind of negative or, you know, again, an another example was in another, another place I worked and I've, I had to learn a lot of these lessons the hard way. It was like, I would look at different processes we had and I'd be like, oh, that could be better or this could be better. But then I just ended up get kind of getting labeled as negative. And I just, I just thought like, you were trying to make the company better and you got, you got labeled as you, you don't, you're against the company or something. Yeah, and granted, like I maybe didn't communicate things in necessarily the right way either, and I've learned that through just growing, you know, kind of growing in maturity and going, okay, you know, you can't you can't just like look at every process and go, well, this could be better, this could be, even if it could, because it takes work to make things better. Yeah. But it always it always just seemed like the way to move up is just to like kind of just play, literally, like just it's a game of like the corporate game. But I just feel like the way that society has changed and the way that it's changing, like companies are not going to, they're not going to be able to just attract top people like that. Like it comes back. And some of these comments in here as, as well, like someone said, uh, you know, someone, someone said the lack of the transparency and flat out lying are a huge problem, which I think, you know, sometimes it is, it's just, it's like, we're all kind of like lying. A lot of times in these scenarios, it's like people are literally lying. Like I've, I've met people who are like, during work, yeah, I'm so happy. I'm so excited in the, you know, in these group settings. And you talk to them one-on-one, -on -one, they're like, yeah, I can't stand anything about this. And, and it's like, well, that's a, like, why aren't you being honest? But it's like, is there, is there kind of like room for honesty? And then someone else said, you know, we're a family is a huge red flag. Someone else also said, uh, they said that they got laid off. They're part of the second round of layoffs. And then their company started hiring a lot of like uh, VPs and heads of the departments. And they said one of their core values was transparency and candor. And during the annual uh, <laughs> survey, that was the biggest red market because no one yeah. felt that the company was transparent. So, Amen. yeah, which I think, I think the, the transparency piece, it's, it, you know, we're hearing about salary, salary transparency a lot more. And like, I think that's what people want through interview processes. Like, just tell me what it's really going to be like. It could happen during a great resignation where a lot of people made switches. And then it was like, you started seeing like six months later, nine months later, people are like, oh, it wasn't what I thought it was. And it was because recruiters, I hate to blame the recruiters, but a lot of it is in the recruiting process because you're focused so hard on selling people yeah. on these roles that you just tell them whatever they want to hear. But, you know, it's like this, I think it's, it's well, talking about all the same things, like transparency and honesty, but then also like, it's okay if your company doesn't, like your company doesn't need to appeal to everybody. It's not a right fit for everybody. Yeah, it's, uh, you I, know? Think, I guess go, go back to something I was talking about earlier, which is how little you know about the norms when you start a job. Sometimes you start a job and you've barely talked to anyone who works there. You've maybe interviewed with what might be your manager. You've maybe interviewed with an HR person and maybe 
some other person from another department, something like that, doesn't tell you a whole lot about what it's like to be there. And so is there a way to connect you in a way that uh, to other people uh, who work there? Maybe um, during the time, first of all, after you've accepted the job and before you start the job, could you learn uh, without ruining the two weeks of you know freedom or whatever that people want? Is there a way to learn about what to expect from a couple of people who work there? That might be interesting. But even before you've accepted the job, is there some way to connect you with people um, and this well, that, that was that was, I think, the pressure, and I think this is what happened a lot. Because, and I think we got we, we've all got to be mindful of these things too. Where it's like, number one, when you interview with a company, it's not about getting the job. Like, I think that's how people treat interviews. It's like right. interviews all about getting the job, which is right. like, it can be about that sometimes, but if the, only if the job's the right fit. But if you're if you're approaching an interview purely from a standpoint of the goal of this interview is just to land the job. And you're not even focused on whether or not it's a good job or one that you actually won. Then you kind of miss. Need a job. I mean, in fairness, you you need a job in some cases. You're. And that's I think that's where like the challenge comes in, right? Because yeah. it's like you have companies that go, well, why do you want to work here? And so you have kind of people going through these interview processes where they're like trying to get the job because you <laughs> right. do need you do need the job, like to yeah. your point. But it's like, well, why do you need this job? Well, it's got to be a deeper reason than just needing a job. So right. they're trying do everything and say everything right. And you've got interview trainers. And so then, and then the other thing you hear too is like, well, the interview process is too long. Where like, for example, at Highwell, where I, where I work, like we kind of have a little bit more of a, a lengthy interview process because when you actually meet, you pretty much meet your whole team and you have like one-on-one -on -one conversations with them. And it's a, a decent time commitment, but they space it out in like a two week period. So it's not like it's an eight month long thing. But you get to meet lots of people on the team, have lots of conversations. And what, what you find is that like people get into the company and then it's like you kind of know your team already or at least have had right. conversations with them. But, you know, for, we have people drop out of the process because it's like, well, it, it's too much. Right. So it's like balancing quick, efficient hiring process. But then like you still need to be able to know. You see, like you said, you need to be able to get like a better, a, a better feeling. Another thought would be like contract work initially. I don't love that one, but I mean, people have thrown that out. 90, 90 something percent of what has been talked about the last 42 minutes comes down to, are you hiring? Are you promoting? Are you keeping people? Are you managing people? Are you training people based on their skills and their potential? Because if you're not, you're doing all those things based on culture, based on fit, based on their, whether they're outgoing or not, based on whether they're, you perceive them as different, based on your, your idea of how, the jobs to be done, 40% travel I talked about may not be necessary. All of these things, I could go down a long list. I started a list we got on the, on the call here of reasons, of ways people hire people based on something other than their skills and their capability. And so I think that's the answer to a lot of it. Um, I remember a long time ago, I had uh, an interview with an um, insurance company, uh, State Farm, and it was like in Toledo, Ohio. And we all got all the applicants, Got, went out to lunch and everyone's like all nervous and they're like you can't eat because you're nervous you're dropping your fork you're pouring water on yourself you don't know what to say you're trying to impress people it's like yeah if you're judging people by the way they eat lunch you're going to be like nervous but if there's some way to to not judge people by that I mean, they don't have the lunch or something but but you know th there's no reason you should be worried about dropping your fork or spilling water on yourself because no one should be hired because 
of how whether they you know pick up the small fork or the big fork. Yeah, which uh, you know, I mean, that's that's one of the things I love with um, the sponsor that I have, Bright Hire. I mean, not to like, uh, you know, I don't get commission or anything for this. I mean, but they they do sponsor show, but you know, it's this intelligence platform where what they're essentially doing is they're like transcribing conversations, so you come away with some actual data because you know I've seen it just countless times where it, a lot of times it just come up like it just. You know, the hiring manager, whoever it is, it's like they have like a bad gut feeling about this person because they like looked the wrong way at the wrong time. And it's like these little things instead of like, well, but what skills did you talk about the job? Or like, how did they demonstrate skills and projects that relate to the job? And it's like, yeah, well, they seem shifty in the interview. And you're like, yeah, but that's not right. like, you, you know what I mean? And then it perpetuates then, okay, well, people have, feel like they got to perform in an interview instead of actually understand like the job what the actual job is which again like job descriptions are just descriptions of like random people they don't even really talk about like the actual job or the project work yeah and so it's like but i i, I think i think when when you have i mean this is one of the reasons i love like the social media and and just like particularly like you know again i talked about it before like platforms like TikTok, for example where people are just really authentic and they're real and there's more accountability there and I think there's I think there's less room now for employees to get away with this stuff, but I think the smart employers are the ones who they start figuring out solutions for this, figuring out different ways to do things. I think, um, I think you know. job, yeah, I think job description probably the way to do that would be like part art, part science. You know, like instead of like all the BS words about like we want someone who's a passionate self-starter, who's driven, and we'll work in a oh, environment and join our family and be a part of our family. I think. Get rid of that and sell the job and do it, make it, sell it honestly and transparently and do, we do it with some creativity, but also standardize probably with the computer, the rest of the job description, because the rest of it, what really is requiring that job needs to be probably that part probably should be done by technology that can tell you what is needed to do that job successfully, not what you think is needed or not what the last person who happened to do that job did because there's different ways to get a job done to do it successfully. And two people will do the same job like a different way and get it done. So I feel kind of feel like with job descriptions, it's like part human, part technology, like standardize the, the skills needed, add a little bit of like the selling on top of that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I would say, say, I mean, could argue the same thing with the, with the resumes as well. But I think a lot of times the, the reason that resumes are done the way they are is because the job descriptions are done the way they are as well. And then it's like, right. you know, it's like the resume, the resume just kind of matches up with the job descriptions, but then, cause I've, I've read some resumes recently where it's just like, it's a bunch of keywords. And I'm like, well, you're better off just saying like, what have you actually done? Like, cause I'm reading this and it sounds, you know, I'd be like, yeah, I'm a self-starter, like I collaborate with teams and I'm mentoring people. Like mentoring is a big one. And I'm like, that's great. Like, I'm glad you are mentoring people, but it's like, what are you, like, what have you mentored them in or what have they accomplished? Mm -hmm. Or like, what have you actually accomplished as opposed to all of these words because it matches up with this job description? Mm -hmm. um, now, I love that. Well, look, I feel like we could, uh, we could, we could kind of talk about a lot of uh, what's wrong with hiring and like what just i mean really what's what's wrong with a lot of a lot of this stuff all day because there's just so much but we had a ton of, of comments as well so i'd what i'd encourage you to do too is just even after the after the live just mm -hmm. go to the stream and if there's any of these uh be great. yeah you know any any of these comments too we we can go and answer and It'd be great I, I appreciate everybody who chimed in as well you know we just said uh 
Sarah here. She just said the last interview I had was two interviews, a four-hour exam, and two more <laughs> interviews. It was a lot of work not to get to the position. And I, I think stuff like that. It's like it's four-hour exam. But the, the the reality is, it's like we all kind of because sometimes it's like you go through these processes, and then when you get the job, you have the opportunity to like give feedback on that and say, you know, what, this was really terrible. Yeah. But it's kind of like we all kind of accept that candidate experience most of the time is just absolute, uh, absolute trash. Um, and then someone else mentioned what you said about, you know, just being able to, uh, you know, I wish there was a way, wish there was a way to have candidates who are considering an offer do a trial at the company. And I think like in our minds that sound, that can sound really get great. I think the challenge is, is like, you know, when you have like maybe three jobs that you're considering and then it's like, it, it could just be, you know, it, it, it's a lot of risk sometimes for the employer to take on. So I think there's like, there's ways, there's just better ways to go about it. But I think it's yeah. that openness to figure out like, okay, what are these better ways? So uh, Todd, where's the best pe best way for people to reach you? Like, where's the best places to find you? Where, where are you at? Uh, I think LinkedIn is probably good rather than me trying to like repeat a, an email address like over and over. <laughs> um, it's like, well, actually my name's, appears to be appearing here on the screen. If their screen looks like my screen, it's T-O-D-D -D and then R-A-P-H-A-E-L and I'm on LinkedIn. Yeah. I think two other top Rafaels in the world. So if you don't get me, you're going to get some guy in Hong Kong. Uh, and then I can't remember the other one where the other one is, but I'm sure they're all very nice and you can connect with us on LinkedIn. Well, guys, definitely go connect with Todd and then I will tag him as well on the... Uh... I'll go back onto the post and edit that because it doesn't always let me edit it through StreamYard. Okay. Um, and then if you guys have other questions, you know, feel free to uh, connect with Todd. Let him know that it's just it's from the podcast. Put that message in there. I'm going to go back and, and look at some of the comments too and try to get back to people. But I appreciate and love all of the uh, the comments. I think we got like you know 50, 50 to sixty comments on here. Wow, so man. I really really appreciate that. And then um, if you stay tuned the next week as well, we'll have another guest. I will, uh, I, I stopped making, I honestly, I stopped making announcements with the LinkedIn lives just because it was like, if you're there in a moment, great. If not, but you can yeah. check out the past episodes. I'll put those links in the post as well for the past episodes. And then uh, once I get the audio from this and release it on Spotify too, I'll do a big notice on that. Uh, but guys, definitely connect with Todd. Appreciate your time as well, Todd. And just thanks for all your insights there. And love the uh, love this like the real unfiltered conversation as well. I think you know it's just good to talk through through this stuff, particularly right now. So uh, I appreciate you. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll talk soon. And if you just stay on here, I'll end this. It stays.